Okay. Um, have either of you guys, when you were younger, you ever try sucking your own dick? <laughs> when you were younger, you mean yesterday? <laughs> well, I tried earlier today, and I can't. <laughs> but one man who is trying very publicly right now is one of our city council people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, this is this is a tough one, but it, it, it had it, it it had to be done because um you know he's he's acting he's straight acting the fool. Just yeah, let's uh, okay. We're putting let, down let, Lenny. Oh, oh. <laughs> let let me uh let me try and do a bit of an intro here. I guess. Uh, what the fuck is up, everyone? Welcome back to State of the Revolution. The Michigan Progressive Podcast. Uh, it's me, Benjamin, and right now we've also got uh, Joe and Matthias. Uh, today is uh, Thursday, February 4th, and thanks for joining us this week. Later on in this episode, uh, we are going to be having a discussion uh, about video games, um, about gaming, uh, about, I guess, gaming culture, the uh, the the ideologies that uh underpin different video games uh but before we do that uh there is some business we have to take care of first which is to say that we are now calling for the immediate resignation of brandon k betts from the lansing city council um regular listeners of the show will know that uh brandon has been a friend of the pod for quite a while He's been on several episodes. Uh, he's been on some of our streams. Uh, a lot of I, he's someone who I've who who I had considered to be a very good friend. Someone who myself, along with many of the people that I know, uh, helped to elect to public office. Uh, but events have transpired over the last uh, the last several days uh, and weeks. Uh, that indicate that Brandon is really not fit, not fit for the seat that he holds. Uh, I guess to try and give like a very, very short history of what happened in the last couple of days is that uh, Mayor Andy Shore gave his annual State of the City address, uh, after which Brandon went online to uh, say that even though he disagrees with Andy on many things, uh, he thought that it was a good address and that he looks forward to working with uh, wor working with the mayor uh, this year. And then a uh, a local activist here in Lansing, uh, Mike Lynn Jr., who uh, is one of the co-hosts of the podcast America Twenty to Life. Uh, and also, I believe now a co-chapter leader of the Lansing Black Lives Matter chapter, uh, he called Brandon out uh, for praising the mayor when just two months ago, Brandon had been calling for the mayor's resignation, particularly because of the way that uh, the mayor han handled the murder of Anthony Hewlin uh, and the way that the Lansing Police Department has operated, uh, especially in the last year. I mean, it was last year that the mayor was fucking tear gassing people here in the city. And so Mike Lynn called, called Brandon out for his hypocrisy. And then this morning, um, a series of uh, screenshots were uh, published 
uh, by Mike's by I guess on Mike's podcast Facebook page, uh, uh, which was a series of text messages between him and Brandon, in which Brandon uh, was instigating an argument with with Mike. And I don't I don't really care to read these, but I can I can link them I can link the article uh, from the Lansing City Pulse in the show notes if if you want to read them, but I. Uh, it's it's just it's unbelievably um unbelievably unprofessional and fucking racist and we just cannot abide this at all. Yeah, you know, something that struck me about this um immediately was the uh, in the text messages um just yeah, I'm not going to read all the quotes but just some highlights uh from Brandon. How's having even less power in the city than you did a month ago going um laughing emoji laughing emoji la- laughing emoji laughing emoji laughing emoji like <laughs> uh, n- n- you know not just the narcissism of that because okay you're a city councilman in a um a city of a th- of 100,000 or so people you know he's talking like he's uh <laughs> like i don't know i don't even know any famous council uh, city councilman that's how little city councilmen matter yeah. in the, <laughs> in the, in the are, matter uh, of america yeah, you were a lansing city councilor not like an alderman of chicago <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know um and just completely you know egotistical and also i just want to point out that there's at least um eight 18 laughing face emojis here so he got to 15 and was like you know just a little bit more i feel like i feel like my point really did not get across um mm-hmm. also, something else uh, uh, um, that i saw is that he fell into this uh uh reverse racism uh argument he said all you want is power and everyone sees it you'll turn your back on any white person who doesn't do exactly what you want weak ass bitch <laughs> and you know and the Michael Michael oh, asked him twice in these texts for him to stop um, stop texting his phone. Yeah, and My- Michael showed an incredible amount of restraint. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. That I don't think I would have. Me neither. Me neither. I w- I would have absolutely taken the bait. I would have blown up at him. You know, it would it would you know. But you know, credit to Michael for you know essentially just trying to disengage. Um, you know, um, and then near the end of the um, uh, article, you know, the uh, Michael says, you know, you know then let's take uh then let's talk in person you know where you want to meet you know and brandon says gonna bring your gun or just your fists should i have someone videotape you assaulting me too what yeah (laughs) you're a fucking lansing city councilor dude yeah you you cannot fucking act like this and this Mm -hmm. this whole thing this whole thing is just so embarrassing doesn't he end the text conversation by saying i don't represent assholes that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the the irony I mean, baked into that statement is <clears throat> astounding. Yeah, I mean, Michael says to him, says to Brandon, "Are you serious? You are my city council person. Now you're accusing me of what? That I would shoot you? What the fuck is wrong with you? You are out of your rabbit ass mind." Um <laughs> and that's when Brandon says, "I don't represent assholes." And, yeah, and, you know, and, and he is out of his mind. Yeah, he. Yeah, and you know, as you know, as a black man myself, who's you know often been accused, you know, being more angry than you come off, or being more violent, you know, just in various instances throughout my life, this you know struck me, you know, pretty 
pretty close of the the instigation and you know he's in, he's the one that's coming ag- he's coming on aggressive you know refusing to disengage from the conversation but then he turns around and accuses michael of you know being the violent one you know he mm-hmm. said he's gonna gonna bring your gun i mean really <laughs> videotape you me videotape me uh you assaulting me he never threatened him whatsoever so you know where are you just pulling this uh you know this attack of yours from you know out, out of whole cloth you know it was it was really disappointing because it, it like i said just like you i was you know someone who liked brandon um just didn't see uh you know this this awful you know side of him so mm-hmm. yeah well you know i i don't you know brandon has very openly and publicly struggled struggled with mental health problems um and obviously he's he's going through some sort of crisis right now and not not that not that it excuses his behavior but i do feel kind of bad for him in that regard but it's just a, it's just really disappointing that it all had to come to this um yeah. and i i just hope that he gets help yeah i yeah. um i hope he gets whatever help he needs but uh i also hope that uh he resigns because i don't think yeah. that he should be in any position of power certainly no, now and you know uh, this does make me question whether or not i would say ever <clears throat> and so, uh, and some something else that really yeah. um struck me as especially tone deaf um during this entire you know debacle is that he had a facebook post where he had talked about how he was going to get um you know a vaccine um because they were going to you know go to waste because of um you know mm, the yeah. the way that they're stored or whatever which i'm not sure how true that is there has been a, a vaccine bungling you know he you know very well may have been telling the truth about that but it was particularly his um sort of cavalier attitude like i'm going to still go knock on doors um yeah. for people who are not familiar with the vaccine you can still catch the virus with the vaccine you're you can still transmit you it can to still, other people. yeah you can still transmit it to other people you know you're not you're not going to um get the symptoms um but you can still be a carrier and still transmit it to people you know it, it's not you know it's not it's something that makes your body dealing with the virus um you know a lot e- uh, a lot easier it's not something that completely prevents you from you know ever um, you know, having the body, the virus in your body and transmitting to other people. So, you know, I, 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 you know, that struck me as, you know, particularly, um, harmful, you know, not and just to, ignorant. yeah, harmful, ignorant, um, yeah, the whole, I mean, it is, it is incredibly self-centered and I did want to say something about that because, you know, uh, I know that Brandon does listen to our podcast sometimes um uh sometimes and i um you know i think that it is absolutely fucking insane that post uh where he was like you know um i'm going to let the people decide and i will be knocking on their doors you're proposing being a one-man super spreader event because you want attention and gratification like validation from people just fucking chill dude this is it's so narcissistic i'm sorry it's it's a really incredibly short-sighted and uninformed thing to do 
Yeah, the uh, the unsaid uh, part of that post was uh, the ones that the residents that survive will have a say. Uh, uh, this, is, yeah. this is a way. This is a way of weeding out the anti-Brandon Nuts voters. He's like, uh, some of y'all, uh, some of y'all are cool. Don't open the door. <laughs> like, really? What are you? What are you doing, man? We still got high COVID numbers. You shouldn't be bragging about um, walking the neighborhood and you know meeting face to face with everyone. You know, ma- mask or not. He's going maskless too. <laughs> It's like, yeah. don't worry, I got the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't have to cover my cough. I got the vaccine. Uh, yeah, well, um, you know, like, like, I, like I said, uh, it's, it's time for Brandon to resign as city councilor. Bye-bye. Uh, so that we can all move on from this. Because this has just been uh, so fucking shitty yeah. and stupid. Uh, was there was there anything else that you guys wanted to say about this before we move on? No, uh, not particularly. No. no. Okay. Not cool. publicly. All right. Cool. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, let's bring on uh, Carly, uh, Atulia, and Brandon Johnson. All right, so uh, joining us now, we've got uh, Carly back, and uh, joining us as guests for this episode, we also have Brandon Johnson and Atulia Doralaski. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so, like I said before, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, because this was the subject of the entirety of last week's episode, but uh, did you guys invest in GME, huh? You guys uh, you got money vested in the in the game stocks? <laughs> yes! No. No, yes. I, 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 um, I got it was, close. yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty high for me to like, you know, even buy like a share of a share of a share. And I just, I just sort of, I sort of felt like, especially with the market manipulation that the $400 that, um, the, the, the share price I think was trading at, I was like, I don't think it's going to get much higher than that. I did put, my, I did put my money into, ch- uh, cheaper stuff that was being shorted. Um, uh, Nokia and AMC, um, I think that was it. She but, did but, Nokia. Yeah, yeah, but but of course, you know, um, I, I love I love how so they were they shut down Robinhood and you know E Trade and all these places. And they shut down selling. Um, they shut down buying of the stock to keep the to try and drive the price down. But then you have all like the, during the the week the headlines are well you know GameStop prices are tumbling as me- momentum has slowed. No mention at all of the fact that the reason it's the reason it's literally going down is because it has nowhere else to go. It's on sell only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what the hell? Yeah, yeah so- I will say my uh, my my brother invested. Uh, he he dropped he dropped fifty dollars on GME, and uh, he ended up doubling it. And so he used the profits to buy uh, to buy Assassin's Creed, the new Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> did he buy it? Is, did he buy it at a game Which is apparently very. I mm, I don't think well, so. That was that his was, first that, mistake. Was yeah, buying the Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> you, you gotta, I don't know you for gotta, sure. I didn't. You gotta, I didn't complete, ask the, him. you gotta complete the scheme full circle, man. Come on. But appa- apparently the, the game deals. is pretty. Apparently the game is pretty glitchy. Uh, like he was showing it to me earlier today, and like. All of the cutscenes, all of the cutscenes, like every like five to ten seconds, the controller will disconnect and reconnect itself. Yeah. 
That's, uh, a, that's a big problem. Although, um, if he checks the forums, fine. if he checks forums, there are fixes to that. Um, they're all, like, open source, though, and you have to, do, like, install third-party apps, so just make sure you know what you're installing. But there are fixes mm. for that shit. Um, it took Andrew, like, two consecutive years to get Assassin's Creed Black Flag working. Um, I don't how know good, why. How good is the game that he it's tried so for two good. years? Oh my god. Because, I, I guess I've never really under, played Black Assassin's Flag Creed. Black Flag is amazing. It is the creme de la creme. But, on the GameStop, yeah, I will say, uh, Andrew... Owns two entire stonks of GameStop. He has not made any money, and if he had consulted me beforehand, I would have told him not to. What he buy it at? What was the price when he bought it? Oh, like three hundred. Oh yeah, like three hundred dollars. See, I was see, I was not see, I was not trying to put in like hundreds of dollars. No, you you see, he has he has money to to invest in stonks but not to, gamble. to invest in nice pants for when we go to functions <laughs> that i want him to wear nice pants at so you see there's a give and take here well well he'll um, have the money um if we can get this robin hood thing figured out carly so how about we get on it exactly um the squeeze okay. we're waiting for the squeeze but i think this has an interesting conversation about how we engage people in leftist discourse because if you guys saw the headlines, it quickly, it, you know, there's a lot of CNBC shit going out of cry for the billionaires. But as a matter of fact, public opinion swung the other way to favor Redditors, right? Like what now we're hearing about is, yeah, fuck Robin Hood. Obviously, this is market manipulation from people like Ted fucking Cruz. But what's interesting is... Like, from being an organizer, I could have told Andrew 24 hours in advance that Robinhood was going to shut down trading. We see this all the time. The only solidarity is class solidarity. And the fact that he thinks that the people that, like, uh, oh, God, who who is the firm that Melvin Capital is the one who bought, who shorted all the stocks? I was like, you don't understand. It doesn't matter if Melvin fails or not. It's about creating the illusion that the market is only accessible to the people who are above you who know more than you and to maintain that illusion they will literally do anything and by they i mean everybody involved from robin hood to blackrock to all the investment groups so you won't make money on this because it doesn't matter what the rules are when you own legislators you get to rewrite the rules in your favor There is no making money on this. If you literally had diamond hands until 2026, you probably won't make money on it in the long run. And if you do, you won't hear about it on the news for sure, because they can't allow those lessons to be inculcated by the public, by by us. They will do anything. It doesn't matter what companies fail or who gets bankrupted in the meantime. They have to maintain that illusion that if you play us, you can't win. And it doesn't matter how many rules they break. It doesn't matter how many lawyers they have to pay off. It doesn't matter how many legislators they have to elect with billions and billions of dollars. They have to maintain that illusion because, the again, the only solidarity is class solidarity. And they will go to any lengths to fuck it up. And I have to say, people, like, I see some people starting to think this way on Reddit forums, but mostly they trust in the system. Yeah. What, what, they what, think what else? the squeeze what, what is still coming because yeah, what, it legally has to come. And I'm like, that's cute that you think these people follow the law. Yeah. But 
what, what else? What, yeah. What, what else can't be lost on this is the other methods. Like it's not just the freezing of the um, of the trading of the stock, but they're also um, <clears throat> the very like the f- a couple days later they said uh, Robinhood said we're going to allow you to buy one stock, like one single stop of uh, of GME. <laughs> yes. So, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm like, well, buying one stock is no fucking different than letting like not letting anyone people buy as many uh, any stocks. It's like it's what, what is one per, per, per fucking person? And something else that they also did was they raised capital requirements for people to even do. I want to say it was options trading so you know they so they they made it so it was only rich only rich people could deal in the game um which <laughs> which is really hilarious for a company named robin hood robin hood the company i thought it was a really good example hood. of how um like people like don't become anti-capitalist automatically because like bad capitalist stuff happens to them like i think you see like a lot right now um like carly said there's a lot of people still um expecting like robin hood to fail as a result of this right because you have this idea like the free market will like weed out people who you know perform badly or people who perform against the customer and stuff like that um but i mean these people just have like no idea so even though they can see like um sort of like manipulation of like the higher powers um they still like expect there to be like consequences or like the system to like come and like work or like the you know invisible hand of the market to fix things in the end yeah or the government which my you know, I'm, I'm not sure which like, one's more laughable. My favorite saying real quick was like the invisible hand of the free market when it fists you up the ass. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but who is it fisting? Like that doesn't happen to a certain class of people in an income level. That only happens to people below that Mason Dixon line of income levels. Well, I yeah. think the thing we have to watch out for as leftists, at least, is like you have this neoliberal consensus that's starting to break an illusion. They're going to try to keep it, but it's probably going to start to break even if they hold on the power. But who's the other group besides leftists swinging in to give the answers? It's fascists and Nazis. And I don't think enough people on the left have said enough about how they are swooping in. And so we need to have our game kind of ready because they have all the answers about why this is happening. You know, they have their whole race theory and shit. Um Yes, so, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. They have newsletters. They have an entire channel dedicated. They have multiple channels, actually. Um, like, and now we're announcing <laughs> Brandon is the second podcast in existence. Um, <laughs> we are obviously the whoa, first whoa, and only Carly, podcast. We'll have to talk about that one. We'll have to bring that. We'll have to, we have to bring that up at the next tribunal. Okay. Yeah, don't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is. You're absolutely right, Brandon, though. Like, the alt-right is is inculcating um, and amassing people in these subreddits. Uh, it's not surprising because it's fucking Reddit. Like, that's... <laughs> I, um, and people... I, I've seen quite a few people on my Facebook timeline who are like, I should get into Reddit. And I'm like, you don't know what Reddit is. <laughs> you don't know what it is. You don't understand. And I, I like, you're, it's going to be painful for you to find out. Um, but it's, it's, you're absolutely right. Like the right has the answers to these questions. And unfortunately I'm still seeing way too many people, uh, who are investing in these stocks, believing in the market forces to set them free and to come through and to follow their own rules as to how they're going to never, they'll never have to work again a day in their lives because of the market squeeze that they think is going to happen because the market's going to follow its own rules. The market exists to not follow its own rules. That's the whole fucking point. And so I hope we get enough people who are radicalized by that, but I don't see the left doing a good enough job of capturing those people. Well, the other hard part, too, is like, let's look at the answers. We've got the leftist answer, which is, hey, we have to have a radical restructuring of society. We also don't know how to do that, but we have to do it. Or you have the fascist answer, which is, no, 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 the system's good. Some people just cheat. And then they have these like parentheses answers on who those people are. And it's a big problem. 
So we have to be really clever. Yeah. I will say, 100%. I think the, um, the leftist solution is harder than the um, fastest solution. Well, it always um, is. We, we take the path, you know, path of Yeah, but like the resistance. leftist diagnosis, I think, is like way easier to understand, right? Like, yeah, like rich people will do stuff to benefit like rich people and fellow rich people as a result. Um, whereas like the fascist diagnosis is like, um, you know, there's like certain like um, minorities that somehow have power over the everyone. The Bilderbergs. The Bilderbergs. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going, going off on. about uh, yeah, Jewish space lasers. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Exactly. For so, a second, that, Joseph, yeah, that, I thought you the, said that's the, that's the, the Builder Bears. <laughs> <laughs> them too. Them too. It's the Builderbergs and the Builder Bears. <laughs> but uh, uh, Talia, I would say I would I would counter with yes, the right or sorry, the leftist explanation is easier to understand, but harder to accept. Yeah. 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 Well, on the on the on the note of um, trying to organize people to the left. Um, one of the things I think we, that we talked about discussing here was uh, the effort to unionize the game development industry, um, which I think that's something that Brandon mentioned. Um, and so I'm just curious uh, if you know, like what the what those efforts look like right now and whether or not they're successful. Uh, I successful. found a web. Yeah, I don't think they're winning. Uh, but I saw uh, there's a website called Game Workers Unite. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm not in the field, obviously. I just think unions are cool. Um, but yeah, like you hear the obviously. rumbles, right? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, well, the the movement that's starting right now is uh, actually very recent. Um, you know, and it's response to a lot of the um, crunch that um, workers at some of these big name releases have experienced. One of uh, some of the most notorious being um, the work on um, Last of Us Two with Naughty Dog, um, also with Cyberpunk twenty uh, twenty seven with CG Product Red, and the actual the um, something that makes me think that this push could be more successful than not is that it already has backing um <clears throat> of an, another union it has the backing of the cwa the communication workers of america which um is one of the largest um you know unions in the u.s um just re um reading from this article from, article from the verge um they're <clears throat> the, the campaign is called the the campaign to organize digital employees or code um and they're essentially trying to uh get uh, this union is trying to get this other union um off for the ground just as a result of some of these um brutal working hours um uh what's, what's the date on this article okay so yeah that's this was about a year ago i would say um <clears throat> because the 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 hours that these people the people are working to put out these you know billion dollar game releases has just become you know completely incredible you know you're talking 18 hour days you're talking you know uh, and a lot of the times um these people also get promised incentives that you know never end up coming to um and they don't and just like every other workforce they're not sharing in on any of the uh, any of the successes of you know these new markets of um you know digital goods and live sales you know they're not profiting off of any of that you know um and it's you know there's definitely a change that needs, that uh, needs to be happening and I, I believe that the uh, you know if we if you keep an eye on the CWA's efforts um, you're going to see a lot more um, 
movement towards this just because th- these video games are getting bigger. They're, they require more and more employees. They require more and more human capital to even get off the ground. You know, like cyber, uh, a CD project red had like, you know, the most elite team of developers you could possibly have for like, um, cyberpunk 20, 2077. And they had five years since Witcher three and they still released like the, one of the buggiest games. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's a result of, um, just, awful workplace practices so i think it's the same thing in restaurant where you know if you get served a plate of cold food 99 percent of times it's management and the one thing that i'll say on this topic is that like i am glad to see a lot of people in mainstream media blaming management and saying hey you know these workers are going through crunch that's starting to inculcate in the mainstream at least on you know the youtube and the internet cultures which i like to see but that is also a far cry from actually getting those unions because you have to go through the experiences of understanding and developing anti-union tactics um before you come to full acceptance of what a union is what you need to do and what it's going to look like and what it's going to take to have an actual fulfilled union besides you know just the diversity and inclusion officer coming out and saying there's no racism here which is exactly what they did in Riot Games, if you remember. Uh, they just they just paid somebody $200,000 to come in as a diversity officer and say there's no such thing as racism here. Um, so it's going to take time for that to disseminate. But I think this process being uh, as novel— You can make novel, how much money to do that? Oh, so much money. <laughs> so much money, Matias. I bet you, you, you can, yes. You're you white, honey. You, 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 can, you can even become the director of, this, uh, the, director of the Housing and Urban Deve- uh, Housing. The, <laughs> Department of Housing and Urban Development. <laughs> it yes. pays a lot. Um, but I, yeah, what I will say is it's exciting to see this happen um, because so much of it is in the, I want to say the public eye, um, but not necessarily the whole public, you know, a specific intersection of the public that includes mostly young people. Um, say the millennial people public? Also, yeah, yeah, honestly, the We're millennial. Not, are we young? It's, are we young? We're like 30 now. It's not even. Don't say that. Gen Z aren't playing <laughs> games like millennials are playing games. Okay, yeah. it's not. It's it's. I think it's specifically a millennial movement. But millennials are also, I will say, like very obtuse when it comes to what it takes to union. They think they're leftists, but they're not. They don't understand what it takes. Um, but I feel like some of these cultural instances, like the whole stonks GME thing is is going to teach people that these forces of market are not on your side and it's not just a band-aid here and a band-aid here that's going to solve things that's why we're calling for systemic reform and what that means and what that's going to take yeah and so, and something also about this um, movement is that it's not just video game developers that um the cwa is trying to organize with code um you know they've also had their uh, hands in trying um and assisting uh, google employees um with uh, labor with you know labor disputes and th- their the current model they're looking for is to try and organize all people within one company as opposed to organizing people within the same roles across multiple companies which um you know is the the strategy they're using right now because they believe it would be easier to set up you know unions you know within these larger companies as opposed to trying to you know get people from you know all 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 companies you know all over the country um to do so so um you know i would say uh, keep an eye on code you know if you can uh, find a way to donate to you know whether it's whether it's the cwa or another union in your area um you know that's that that's going to be the thing that um that saves these jobs it's it's not going to be 
um, gambling on stocks, which, you know, it, it was fun. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people made money on it, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's a good thing if you want to like, um, for people who made the quick money and cashed out, but it, you know, this, this market manipulation, while it brings, um, you know, eyes to the situation, it, it's not going to be any type of revolutionary change because the markets are not built for that at all. And I also think it's worth thinking about too, like, you know, we're probably going to talk later about how video games do impact our culture and society and all that stuff. They're, you know, a big media presence. Do you want, I, there obviously will be some level of corporate interest in that media presence, but it, I, I feel like having a unionized workforce will allow that, you know, there will be an imprint on the messages that is sent out if your workers can be organized. Like some grizzled, angry union guy who works for video games is going to make a more left-wing kind of video game than someone who really buys into the Zuckerberg dream, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Yeah, the, and I, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, sorry. Um, uh, I think like a really good, not like a non. I have like some video game examples of this, but like a, a non-video game example that I think most people can get is, um, I feel like the Onion got significantly more left-wing after they unionized, right? Like after they came out publicly with the union. Uh, during I think it was around the um the most recent primary right and you definitely saw them get like more left-wing as a result and they've stayed more left-wing as a result too that makes sense yeah i mean that that's you know that's a culture that's the the culture change that's the 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 culture change that um republicans actually republicans and democrats alike have been fighting um because you know this the reagan era has just you know de taken out unions you know, left and right uh, through deregulation, also through these uh, right to work laws that have popped up all over the, you know, all over the country. So now we're seeing this, yep. you know, movement, this movement back towards it, and it's being fought every single step of the way. But, you know, I, I, well, something you've mentioned, um, Atulia, is, th yeah, the, cult the, the culture change, because unionization, you know, it empowers people to fight back. It empowers people to say, hey, you know, I actually don't like w working here. Um fucking 12 hours a day with you know no vacation no sick days i'm going to do something about it as opposed to just feeling like you're beaten down downtrodden it actually gives people people a voice and you know makes people realize that that you know there, there is something that can't that, that can be done because a lot of people they just don't have the strength in them to do it themselves most people don't um it's you know that's why we gotta you know band together and you know there's nothing more metal than fighting your boss so <laughs> please do so at every opportunity if I can talk about a video game example of this happening, um, instead of, although it's sad like we're not getting like a lot of um, game unions happening, I feel like we are starting to see like a sort of like outcropping or like starting up of like a lot of game cooperatives um, being created for like a bunch of indie games that have been like massively successful. Um, one that's really coming to mind right now is um, the game um, uh, Night in the Woods. Um, by this gaming cooperative called the Glory Society. So it's like worker owned, like democratically decided, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that game was like very, um, like openly anti capitalist, you know? It was about. What, what, what um, type of game is Like, is like, you know, platform, shooter? Yeah, so it's like a vague, like, sort of platformer. Um, it's about like a cat who, like, comes home, like, to her hometown, like, from college, like, after sort of dropping out. Um, like, it isn't sure what she wants to do with her life. Um, but it was, like, pretty, it sounds, like, pretty artsy, but, and it is kind of artsy to an extent, but it was, like, sort of, like, her, like, sort of, like, going through, like, that sort of, like, quarter-life crisis, uh, I think, like, a lot of us go through. Um, and, like, 
a town had like a like a mining like union massacre and stuff like that so like she's also like learning about that and stuff like that um and then also like this sort of um like neoliberalization is like killing all the small business in her town and like everyone's sort of like falling into debt and like these miserable jobs and stuff so i think that's like a really good example of how you know you have these cooperatives together and obviously like the people who are, would be into cooperatives are like a certain kind of person to begin with as well um, but how that like really puts out like an entirely different message, you know? Joe, we yeah, yeah. Joe, we can all hear you taking a hit right now. Just saying. Who? Uh, this this what? is Jared. I, I don't know who Joe is. <laughs> Sounded like a lot of birds. <laughs> like you know one of those bird whistles like that a creepy old man gives you at like a county fair, and you're like, if you put water in this and you blow in it, it'll make bird noises. What childhood did you lead? <laughs> I have no idea. What I grew up in Franklin, Illinois. So creepy old white men were oh, a daily part of my Oh, oh God, I've lived a long life. I've never had someone come come blow on my bird pipe. You never had the the, the bird whistle man <laughs> at the farmer's market? No, no. <laughs> not okay. to be confused no, we're, with the bird whistle man. You guys had farmer's markets? At the farmer's market. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're not doing this right now. Um, <laughs> What so uh, we wanted to talk some about uh, particular games, right? Particular video games and sort of like the underlying ideological messages within them. And I think uh, it was Atulio or Brandon. You got you wanted to talk about uh, Halo, right? Halo and fascism. Could you explain that to me? Okay, so this is kind of like my little. I like thought about this for like a week before I was thinking about Halo. Um, so like Halo like has the very like heroic myth thing where like you know it's very warlike and it's all about war and the enemies are all religious zealots and you have to go fight and the genocidal war there's no option for peace and the first games are all about that and that's kind of it but then all the, the... All the enemies are aliens too right they're yeah, like yeah the enemies are aliens and they're like aliens and they're specifically religious zealots like that's a specific part of it they're called like the covenant when did when did halo come out I was the first Xbox game, so early. Two thousand no, two thousand one. Yeah, before so, or after nine eleven. That's a good. Well, question. they would have been making it before, Actually. right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I will say, I think the later two Halo games like take a distinctly post nine eleven turn, though. Um, it came out November fifteenth. The first Halo came out November fifteenth. Okay. To be fair, all but, games take a post nine eleven turn. I secretly think, though, it's not as fascist as it seems like, or not as even that, because at the end of the third game, or the third game, the whole point is that you can't just fight your way out. The humans pretty much lose until one of the aliens defect, and like they make an alliance and make peace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very interesting thing, that it's not just like, oh, the humans win Starship Trooper style. It's like, they have the aliens defect, and like, you know, form an alliance and make peace and do all that kind of stuff. And then... I don't know how big a nerd. I, I was a super nerd. I read the books and they make a lot of criticisms of like, hey, the Spartan concept is fascist and that's not good. And I don't know. I think that's an interesting. I don't really have a thesis there. I just think that's interesting. Well, wait, what's the um, I I don't even I didn't even know that really books existed. I've heard of them. But like, is is it written by the same people who go on to design the game or the, the games designed by a completely different uh, entity? What's the relationship there? So they raid the games on their own. And then I think somewhere around the second game, but don't quote me, but before the third, uh, writers started writing books and they would just like, you know, hire out writers. Some of the same writers who wrote the Star Wars books, if you care about those. Oh, uh, so, you know, okay. So it's like a Star and, Wars lore situation. 
But the big difference is, is when the fourth game and they started this new arc, I, I'm not super expert on it, but I know when they had like reach some of the characters from the books, they take that lore and like mess with it a bit, but then put it in the games. So a lot of the stuff does start the ideas of those authors do start to make it into the games. And I stopped at Halo four cause I had, I went to grad school, so I just got, stopped playing them. But, uh, <clears throat> some of those things do start to like, <laughs> do start to, um, percolate. I think, yeah. uh, um i know for a fact that the halo wiki has like a whole page just dedicated to communism i'm pretty sure um because in the halo lore there were like um like a corporation that like worked as um basically like owned people as slaves and then there was like a communist uprising as a result um but like the main like um uh like halo um like military the unsc the united nations space command i think it is please feel free to correct me at any time brandon they like um like assassinate like the communist like um uh person like doing the uprising and it's like painted in like a bad fashion right so it is interesting how they like manage to um like traffic these ideas in there yeah yeah I've only I've only played um three in Reach um because I, I never owned an Xbox but um yeah I, it, Halo reminds me a lot of, of of a lot of like properties where you know the they're actually fascist but and then but they're like the heroes are the the fascists are the good guys and you're supposed to like root for them like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of like Halo uh, I'm also thinking of like Dread or like yeah. Starship Troopers we're like you Warhammer. look at this you're like yeah you're like Huh, actually, maybe a fully militaristic society where, you know, we're built on dominating and fighting other, other you know, nations is not a good thing. But, you know, it's all about the pew-pew and the lasers and, you is know. It, yeah, it I feel like, like the, the 90% of the discourse is whether, on Halo is whether or not the energy sword is the best weapon in the game. Which it, it, which is. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the <laughs> I feel like that should be the cold. I feel like it's cold open material. Right <laughs> yeah, but 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 like, regardless of like you know politics, Halo Reach is the shit. I love that game. <laughs> yeah, me too. It is really good. I feel like that's the only Halo game I played multiplayer when my my friend introduced me to like video games we had a nintendo wii that my sister won at her senior party um and so i know awesome. what a nintendo wii was and i got a game boy after the ds came out and the price dropped so i had like two pokemon games and i was like i'm a gamer and <laughs> and now you're actually, here yeah now i'm here I, I was actually one of those kids who like i didn't have real friends um so with braille i was like this looks like braille so i went on google docs because i didn't really have good internet and i typed out the entire alphabet in braille to figure out what the braille was saying and translated it in pokemon <laughs> you, were, you were a weird kid carly oh yeah you don't need to tell me that trust me actually i don't remember i blocked it all out but, um, <laughs> i for one respect the hustle yeah, yes, same. Uh, the multiplayer Halo too. Reach. I remember playing with my friend who told me what an Xbox was, and I was like, "These graphics are kind of bad," because I think it was an old version of the game. I was like, "These graphics are bad, but this is a fun game," and that was it. And the Energy Sword, and I think we skipped all of the cutscenes. <laughs> you know what? I I, re- I actually recently played Halo. I want to say like like last year, like the original one. But I, I played like the uh, the remaster, the Halo. And like, mm-hmm. have you guys ever went back and played like a, a PS One or like uh you know an Xbox One or like fuck 
the original Xbox uh, version of games. Because, like, there's an option where you can switch the settings, yeah. like, back to the original, like, from the yep. remaster. It looks fucking awful. I'm like, how do we play this? Like, it's just, like, random shapes. Like, I, like, I don't know how we played any of this stuff, but it was the shit. <laughs> I actually went back and played um, my favorite video game at the time, which was Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess on the Wii. I still have the oh, old snap. Wii that my sister won in her senior year of high school. She's six years older than I am, if I dates anything. So she um, won the Wii. I got to play most of the games on it. And I went back and I was like, I was like, is the resolution off? I don't understand. And then I found <laughs> out that the Wii operates at a maximum 420p. And oh, I was my like, God. It's like oh. you're watching a like, like you're watching a VHS. Yes, what? there were like obscure shapes, and I was like, I guess this is Link. And I'm like, how did I think that this was so cool? But honestly, the gameplay was still good. I still cried. Yeah, yeah the Wii was Midna. the Wii was the Wii was awesome. No, I, Twi- Legend Wii, of Zelda: Twilight Princess is still my favorite Zelda game. It's amazing, and is I never played one? Ocarina of Time, so it's probably why it's my favorite Zelda game. But like, uh, I distinctly remember thinking that the graphics of that game in particular were, like, breathtakingly beautiful. Yes, we all think and of graphics music. as different, and we do, like, the gestalt thing where we connect it to current graphics and we think they look better. So I was like, am I wearing glasses when I'm playing this game? It looks so bad. But it was still fun. I, I, I still got into it. Kid me was dumb as fuck and could never figure out how to get past like the tutorial area of the game. Like, I remember trying to do, like, yeah, I remember trying to do like the fucking horse sleeps and I couldn't like it was just yeah. I was Wait, the what? The, the sleeps? No, horse like in the beginning leaps. of the game, like you have to like do like the horses or something yeah. like that, and then you have to like leap over the fence yeah, like that he's that trying to teach like, and stuff. Yeah, the horse so I never actually really got dumb. that. It was just like a village simulator for me. So one one of the other things that we wanted to talk about tonight was uh, the Call of Duty series, and this this is this is a franchise that we all know is you know the development of which is is largely funded by the fucking Pentagon and used uh, and used by the military as a fucking recruitment tool. Um, so I'm just curious about what you what your guys' thoughts are uh, on the Call of Duty games uh, as like you know uh, pro military propaganda. Okay, so first of all, I think that everyone should uh, know, if you don't already, that the newest or one of the more recent Call of Duty, Call of Duty Cold War, uh, includes a chance for you to interact as the player with President Ronald Reagan. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you get to piss on him? No. Then I don't like it. He, we need he some mods. Will, we need some however, mods. That's, that sounds you, like. Uh, if you choose that your uh, character is gender neutral, he will acknowledge your pronouns. Um, that's true. Ronald Reagan acknowledging your they them pronouns. Folks. To be Just fair, in the new for a second, in the new Call of Duty game, you can choose to side with the communists at the end, and then like detonate nukes all across Europe completely um eliminating all european countries or that's super cool that the only commie option is uh, to commit mass murder (laughs) wow Um, yeah no you can you can (laughs) but but to be fair it was the united states i think that put the nukes in europe in the first place to like prevent 
Europe from like falling into commie hands. That's so it's like it tries to be like morally gray, but it's like not really. Honestly, I think it'd be really interesting to do like like in Ronald Reagan era in that game. I like I think it'd be really interesting to include like a mission where they drop you into a random city and you realize along the game that you're killing American citizens and you're like, oh, this is like some black ops shit. And then you're like, oh, yeah, remember Contel Pro? That fucking happened. Like, that's what I want to see in some Call of Duty shit to be like, oh, fuck, maybe I'm not the good guy all the time just by shooting you guns want, and going you want a pew, Call pew, of pew. Duty game where you accidentally kill Fred Hampton. <laughs> oh no <laughs> accidentally i i'm not yeah. sure about this one they actually did um, do um some vaguely coin and pro stuff in the original modern warfare 2 i don't know how much you guys want to get into it but there's um uh the yeah, main sure. bad guy of that game and the big twist actually turns out to be like the american general right general shepherd mm-hmm. in that famous oh, scene where he betrays yeah. you right but his whole thing is that he um basically like engineered like a terrorist attack on russian soil so like a world war would start and then like the military industrial complex could like profit off of it but also that so he would like get like power um for like his like lost soldiers and stuff like that so i would also love to see a version with like an evil woodrow wilson doing shit to like involve america in world war one because it's not really a topic that explored and woodrow wilson doesn't have a lot of like actual scholarly research behind him so i, th- I think it'd be interesting like, so we can make it up to expound but not that means, like that means, that means we can make it up you know we can just exactly. we can just use what we exactly. know which is which is that he was a raging raging white supremacist yes. uh <laughs> he threw my boy deb's in yeah. jail yeah and we'll we'll write around that and something that i just found interesting is that the i feel like the the campaigns of um call of duty used to be really really great because it they were they were dealing in the past so they were dealing with like sort of especially with world war with world war ii which they kept coming back to it was like nazis bad guys the end and like they had you could play i remember i think it was world at war um which still has the best ending of any call of duty it might play as like a soviet um you know soviet freaking private just like storming the gates of berlin at the very end of world war Two, and then like the <laughs> it's funny because right now call of duty's like you know u.s imperialism simulator with like you know the modern warfare series but like you know back when i started playing the game you know then the game was you freaking planting a soviet flag in the <laughs> in, in in the heart of berlin you know at the, the height of the world yeah, war Two. you were the soldier in like the famous picture right yeah of, yeah uh... yeah exactly and you know that's when these games had like a lot of nuance they were it was it was really like playing like a really well written war drama well it didn't um, have a lot and, of nuance it had some hmm? nuance i don't know if, i wouldn't say I mean, a it's, lot it's, of it's nuance. much I, w- I would say is i would say I, I i would say the nuance came you're right i would say the nuance came with black ops where right. spoiler for black ops you end up being like <laughs> at the end of the game you end up being like the sleeper cell the end of fucking assassinating jfk that was trained by the cia you're like holy shit <laughs> like i remember like playing that in college like oh my god like that was like a really you know great like commentary and fucking that goes off <laughs> yeah honestly. you know on what fucking the cia and like intelligence does to just like um you know, keep, you know, keep war going, but I, so but you get they, but to they, be Ted Cruz's dad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm 
sorry, but you're gonna have to edit out my laughter because that's that's morally compromising. <laughs> which is you know the best. Which you know uh, I I love Black Ops and you know even Black Ops Two. You know and but now the the, the the modern warfare things. It's just like okay, yeah, you're shooting you're shooting brown people. Like you know interchange the brown people or Russians. Yeah. You know, Modern Warfare, you know, too, was, you know, it was Russians too. But it's like, okay, we're just, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, making any type, like type of commentary on like, um, you know, the the horrors of war or, um, you know, mm-hmm. c- you know, the CIA's involvement, you know, with, with killing you as president. It's like, you know, now it's just like, okay, which bad guy can we put in? It's, you know, it's in, in a way it's, you know, it's funny that the, the new game is called Cold War because, their games perpetuate like the modern cold war with every installment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I interestingly, mean, I, sorry, go ahead and TS. Well, I remember when I started playing some of the call of duty games, which I didn't play like religiously or anything. I never really played the story mode in any of them, but I started playing with, uh, the first modern warfare. And I remember very distinctly. It's like, one of the factions that was obviously bad, right, is like the terror, just generic, like yeah, <laughs> Muslim terrorists. Yeah, gen- you have, you have like, generic Russian and you have generic uh, Muslim terrorists, and yeah, they, and they interchange have, like, them. Yeah, and then you have like the RAF or whatever, and mm-hmm. the cool American Marine Army. Melbourne yeah. kind of situation going on. Yeah, I'm just I'm just waiting, you know. So there's been a far right resurgence of Nazis in Europe. So I'm sh- I'm sure Call of Duty is going to make a game where we fight white, you know, white nationalists in fucking Ukraine, right? Now that's, that's coming, be right? Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein's <laughs> going to do it first. <laughs> but, Wolfenstein's um, been doing it. Wolfenstein. Well, that's true. We're not talking about Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein, you're great. You've never you've never done anything wrong. First game, <laughs> okay, kill Hitler again. Boom. Suck though. <laughs> but um, I was gonna say I actually think that like mods and more open world games like Arma Three and like Daisy Mod almost do a better job like telling the story of American imperialism just by setting up the game so that like here's npc civilians and like territory that you fight over and you know here's different factions and you have like this this crazy artillery that is like the sky's the limit with the artillery you can get in that game and a lot of it ends up with just like false flag attacks and civilians and you can either play as like a terrorism faction um, that also converts civilians to your cause, um, or you can play as like the imperialism faction as like the oppressive force. So there's a lot of different mods on Arma 3 that are really interesting, and they don't really like. I don't think their intent was to tell the story of American imperialism, but sort of on accident, they kind of do it just by the way that they set up resources and gameplay and how NPCs interact with uh, in-game players and how role-playing often plays out in, in that game. I don't know if anybody's watched um, like episodes or, or played uh arma 3 or daisy mods but it ends up it ends up like a lot of people end up come out of that more self-aware of of the the brutal materialism of american warfare i think that's um uh i know um we kind of wanted to skirt around like the do violence the video games called violence thing but I do think that's like an example of like how like mechanics in video games can sort of like 
um, uphold or like tear down like violent ideology or like at least demonstrate it. So with Call of Duty specifically, um, one of the kill streaks you can get in like the the rebooted Modern Warfare series is like white phosphorus, right? So you can like drop white phosphorus on like your multiplayer enemies, right? Um, and I think it's interesting to compare that to um, a game called Spec Ops Online. Um, which has like a very famous white phosphorus scene where in the single player campaign you use white phosphorus um, and then it you have to like walk through like all the burning bodies and then eventually come across the fact that you bombed like a civilian compound and there's like a corpse of like a mom holding her child and stuff like that so just like the sort of like mechanical difference between those two games and like how they handle like white phosphorus which is basically like a war crime um i think like leaves like lasting impressions in gamers right so if there's ever a discussion like should we you know punish a country for using white phosphorus should we like outlaw white phosphorus how should i interpret this news article about how um white phosphorus was used against civilians and like the israel or, or wherever um, and then the gamer who plays like Call of Duty and has it used as a kill streak is going to have like a very different interpretation than the gamer who's played Spec Ops the Line. Yeah. Um, also, something that uh, was a very big controversy at the time that it came out, which you know was probably the it was a very big rewriting of history, was uh, Modern Warfare had a mission in its um and ga- its game called the Highway of Death. Um, it was basically you you, ca- you came to the aftermath of um. Um, this highway of death where it's and the characters say that um, it's it's in this middle e- this fictional middle eastern country um and basically the the main characters say that the russians you know um trapped these people on this highway and just like bombed the shit out of them you know um, um saying that there that there was a military convoy but actually killing like you know families which in reality they pulled that scene from an actual engagement that happened during the first gulf war during 91 when it was American forces that bombed um, uh, wow. civilians, the Iraqis. Uh, yeah, Iraqis, the retreating, um, the retreating retre- Iraqi mm-hmm. army, which is mm-hmm. a war crime. Yeah, so mm-hmm. bomb them as they are retreating, um, and you know, of course, you know, killing, you know, just everything in their in their path. So they they it's the they made a really insidious decision to pull from a real life event, switch the good guys and the bad guys, and then just like not have any type of like you know commentary or fucking explanation for it other than you know we wanted to you know just make sure that the U.S. has never done anything wrong, U.S. has never done any type of war crimes, you know, it's all it's all the Russians where it's like no and it's 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 more insidious than this the the, the generic just like shooting of russian bad guys because you knew about this yeah. you know this awful uh historical event and you decided to completely twist the narrative and then you know sp- you know put it on the screen um so you know that's the that's the type of um you know um it's just awful type of writing that's going into some of these uh i i call you know even though i do love playing call of duty warzone um it's an imperialism it's a period it's an imperialism simulator and you know while i come out of it even though i can detach myself and and still you know staunchly anti-imperialism i can definitely see um just the how the propaganda could take a hold of, of a lot of people um and it, it it all feeds into the fucking anti-russia sentiment that we see in every 
walk of life in 2021 also well uh before we before we close out here i I wanted us to have a discussion uh about uh gamer culture and i i want to know like what what is gamer culture exactly because i don't even really know how to define it and i think someone wanted to ask the question of whether or not gamer culture is fascist well well you know we right now we like to um Bring out our surprise guest, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, come on up. <laughs> Elon. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Back from Mars. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I use his daughter's name as my passwords. <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Um, you don't. Kyle. Peasant. I believe it's Kyle. um so gamer culture is not defined it's constantly evolving um but in that i say gamer talk culture is fucking toxic and sexist and i hate it and i hate all of you go and racist and and very racist and all very racist all of the ists you know Um, it's like a i I got called i called i got called the n-word just like fucking was it last night Last night on fucking Warzone, fucking wrecked this kid. Okay, just, <laughs> just embarrassed him. Okay, <laughs> I'm like, like, and the thing about this is he doesn't know that I'm, he doesn't know that I'm black. So this dude has probably called people a nigger thousands of times, and most of them probably been white and just like really confused. <laughs> but that's that's just the you know that's the that's fucking playing on playing on fucking online gaming for you. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like. It's it's like how can I be the most worst bully like <laughs> at yeah. any given moment in time with like from ages stemming to like six year old kids to literally like thirty or forty year old gamers like you you get the same reaction with the same kind of people and I think it's true that like most people aren't like that when they enter into an online multiplayer game but there is a prevalent subculture of people doing things just to be edgy. Um, because they're not seen and heard or whatever, and they that's like their outlet for frustration is calling other people like horrible slurs. I I did have the worst gaming experience of my entire life today. And it was it was probably the most poignant sexism I've ever experienced in a game. And usually like I pride myself on being able to cut into somebody's soul and roast them on a spit of their own fucking drool and cum paste. So like I don't oh, easily oh get yeah I eviscerate <laughs> people I'm, like you come for me you better get fucking ready but there are certain points where like if I'm on a six like if there's a six player team and three people are in a group and the other two aren't saying anything and like three people gang up on me and want to be assholes like there's nothing I can do there's nothing you can do in that point right people are gonna bully you in a group they're gonna bully you in a group and there's nothing you can do and that fucking sucks and unfortunately it's prevalent enough where it is a trend it is its own culture and it's un- like I'll be the first person to be like hey I, I- like these games don't exist to cater to the male fantasy as as some people want to say that they are and like yes girl gamers do exist in culture and it's 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 kind of cringy to like say girl gamers but on the other end you sort of have to band together because the overwhelming sexism and racism is just like constantly present and 
I feel like that's the young people that the older generation don't understand. They're like, Gen Z is going to save us. And I'm like, you're not talking to the same Gen Z that I am because these people are racist, sexist motherfuckers. Yeah, all they want to do is like, use slurs all day. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Gen Z is going to save us. You have not played any like fucking multiplayer game. You've you never think, played a mobile in your life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like hop, hop on any Call of Duty. Okay. You know, you're, you're going to, you're, you're going to lose a lot of faith in the future of America. Okay. Yeah. If you so, play any sort of PVP, like you're, it's, it's over. Yeah. So I would like to say once again, officially fuck them kids the like greatest uh, cont- uh area of innovation that they have contributed thus far is uh like the creation of new and horror and more horrific slurs well to defend gen z and i'm gonna i'm gonna defend gen z a little bit uh i remember you, back man. in 2012 and that's like 10 years ago now uh the first whoa, 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 like it's 11 hold on hold on hold on hold on it's 11 it's 11 <laughs> or is it is it no it's not it's not 11 is it how 2012 as 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 you, oh, as you yeah. can tell it's from the 10, yeah it's nine nine nine, nine years. years nine years um, okay nine years I but that was when yeah, shut the fuck they, up jesus was, christ all right anyway okay um when i was that was when i was in high school and it was a big moment for me because i considered myself a gamer but that was when anita sarkeesian put out her documentaries like patreon or fundraiser or whatever and then you had like this first big at least the first i was aware of big political gamer move and it was to like dox this poor woman and like really launch a hate campaign and it was like the prologue to gamergate that came out two years later um and obviously like that really turned me off on the whole um hobby for a while the whole so i like you know stopped for a bit uh and i just think that like even you know carly you just shared the small scale stuff the large scale whenever i see gamers implement a political thing it's usually pretty angry (laughs) it's usually aimed at women and minorities like that's what they do um, and I don't, th- I know we've kind of talked about it more and more, but like that comes from somewhere, right? Like I don't like to broad brush, but like, I haven't seen yeah. like a left wing gamer movement really happen on a large scale. Until now, welcome to the state of the revolution. Well, the devs are <laughs> trying to do, the devs are trying to do with the left wing gamer movement. Honestly, I think the left wing gamer movement is coming from the devs. Um, we, we haven't really touched on like horizon zero dawn or any AAA yeah. games that really call into question, um capitalism or issues with uh sexism and racism but they do exist and they're coming from the devs because those are the professionals and those are the people who are making an active effort to make their games more inclusive and unfortunately like MOBA games and multiplayer games like overwatch and league of legends have had to adapt better reporting methods to stop their game base from being so toxic but it hasn't really worked I can say that from firsthand experience. Yep. There are certain game communities that are more toxic and certain game communities that are less toxic. But if you're playing in a multiplayer PvP scenario, you're going to experience some horrible hostility on toxicity. Um, and I think part of that is from what the game encourages you to do. But most of that is from like society's inability to handle any sort of confrontation. Um, and I think that games, as always, aren't really pushing society. They're a reflection of society. And um, in, in terms of like how, how, like how I feel in games, usually it's very empowering and usually it's very mobilizing for my, for my thoughts and my feelings. And it's a positive experience. But when it's negative, it's horrible absolutely horrible when you get ganged up on by a group of real people who've never seen your real face and don't know anything about you but who literally want to castigate you as the worst person in the world just because they're feeling insecure in that moment it kind of sucks 
um, really sucks. And the games that that enable you to dislike other gamers because of the modes that you're playing, like really, really capitalize on that experience. But that isn't to say that in the 1960s, if games were around, we wouldn't have the same thing happening. I don't think it's really <laughs> reflective of any trends <laughs> in society, if I were to say so. I just think it's 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 sort of this that our continuing continuing ability in a a systemically unjust unjust society that you know rewards narcissism and racism and systemic injustice to obviously have a lot of young people who just like can't handle failure and they lash out and that's like the majority of toxicity in games i feel like so when you they feel like you're inflicting on their all white male paradise they're gonna have a negative reaction because that's the only paradise that they have um the only semblance of control they have in their lives I would I would argue that this is actually a historically contingent thing that this couldn't have happened in the 60s at least not the way that it is happening or the way that uh this community exists now cuz I do think that um this kind of a culture like you know like what Brandon was saying literally reactionary reacting to things happening right um, just like, oh, people are becoming, you know, more aware of diversity. They react about this, you know, Anita Sarkeesian, they react about and, you know, about against that. Um, I think that these people are largely very alienated, you know. We live in a, an extremely alienated world. Um, and so, like we were talking about earlier... Um, this is like the right wing kind of like offer of, uh, an explanation for why things are the way they are, you know, like, like right wingers, like we said earlier, are, are there and ready to provide the answer for why, uh, you know, the reason that you just lost all your money on the game stock shit is, uh, you know, because of the Jews or whatever. But, um... I don't know. I'm I'm definitely not saying that these people are sympathetic or deserve pity, but uh, I do think that there is a serious need to analyze the underpinnings of a lot of reactionary cultural movements because I do think that they come from material anxieties that uh, you know these people. Uh, they, in different circumstances, I don't think that they would be as vicious or as hateful. Yeah, I I agree with that too, Matthias. Because you know, people, you know, it's always a different villain. But again, like Carly was saying earlier, you know, these things are just mirrors. Um, and you you could use yeah. uh, you could use video games as the mirror. You could use YouTube as the mirror. You could use podcasts as the mirror. You know, you could use all of these different, um, you know, social media. But you know, it or, but. <laughs> 
RIP parlor, by the way. But, you know, you could, (laughs) you know, you could, you know, but is it really, you know, whoever like organized parlor's fault or is it the fact that when you organize, you know, um, a service like that, that you have millions of people, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people attracted to it. So, and I I think that, you know, video games do feed on your worst impulses, but, you know, it's these, you know, it's the um, culture of white supremacy, the culture of sexism you know all of this that was present all, ever present within our society that is just being acted out this way and it's like you know people you know similar to the, the video game you know do video games cause violence argument that we, we had considered touching on but it's like whenever someone talks about that you know i just want to say like what video games were they playing during uh, the holocaust or during the entire transatlantic slave trade or you know during the crusades you know what video games you know were they were you know were they playing you know at this time what which no it's actually just like this culture of like you know hatred and tribalism that um is just being just being acted out you know just over and over and over again and you know the video game companies you know i want to say that as bad as it is now Anybody who's played in a COD lobby in like the years of like 2011, like around the Modern Warfare one times, it was so much worse. Like, like it, it was basically like playing. It was like playing like at a fucking clan rally, you know, um, just some of the awful shit that you would fucking hear, you know. And, you know, they've made some effort to crack down on it. You know, it's not nearly as toxic as it once once was, but there's a still a long way to go. And I'm glad Carly brought up Horizon Zero Dawn because not only is it my favorite video game of all time, but the villain is Elon Musk. Okay, yes. they absolutely made yes. a video game where the villain is fucking Elon Musk, and he fucking you know what? Not gonna spoil it, but it's great. It's a good game. It's you him. should play it. And they're coming yeah. out with a sequel on the PS5, and I'm so excited. Yes. But what I to add a dimension to what Joe was saying because it was really important is you have you know you have the gamers you have the game devs and then you have the game companies because those are three different things right and in overwatch for example the same exact time that they implemented their player ban mechanic they lowered the price of the game so what that means is they basically said wow we have a problem with toxicity but and, and this is my extrapolation. This is this is what I think happened based on those things happening around the same time. The game was $60, right? When it came out, it was $60 for quite some time. It's not $60 anymore. It's like $20 for a copy of the game. And for each copy, that's like your account, your account that's attached to Blizzard Entertainment, which is basically an email. To use that email, you have to pay $20 to get Overwatch on that game. So if your account is banned, you have to, all you have to do is go with a new account, sign up, pay $20, right? So it used to, like, like I said, it used to be 60. So basically, there is a monetary incentive now for banned players to get back into the game under a different username. Some people do this, they call it smurfing, where you just get a secondary account just to reset your, uh, basically just to like pretend you're a noob and then shit on noobs for a while. Um, and pretend you're bad for your placement matches and then you get placed in a lower rank and then you shit on people who you're actually better than them the whole time. It's a, th- it's a thing. But, but for, for the banning method, what essentially happened is they, they, they didn't ban and they didn't have reports for years in Overwatch and it created a really toxic, like over, Overwatch is known for its toxic culture. 
but they instituted a reporting thing, and at the same time, they lower the cost of the game. So if you got reported enough, your account would be banned, but you could just essentially pay for another account, and it wouldn't be as, you know, it would be a third of the cost on your wallet after that certain point in time. So what I see that is a compromise between devs who want to have a good working experience, a good player experience, and corporations who want to make fucking money. Because before that, they didn't want to ban anybody from their games because that's not a very good corporate model. You, they can't buy loot boxes when they're banned from your games because that was their profit model. So when they dropped the cost of the game and then had reportings and bans at the same time, it allowed them to make money buy off of their own toxic base, which is very interesting. And I think that that relationship is something that really isn't talked about enough. Um, but that is what we're always... Like, devs are the people who are usually trying to progress the game world and, and, and instill a good experience on their players and sort of be responsible and have this agency over the experience that their players have. They're the ones who are writing the story for Horizon Zero Dawn. They're the ones who are doing the art and the mocap. Um, but then you have the people who are marketing this, you know, the hedge fund managers and the people who are putting it on, on public trading stocks who have a, respons a responsibility to their shareholders to create a profitable game. So it's almost as though they're balancing this toxic culture and this mirroring of our society in a way that can be most profitable to them and their company. So how much, and that question involves, how much of what we're seeing is an actual accurate reflection of our society the way that devs want it to be versus what the corporate profiteering business people who own these companies and manage these companies make the most money off of. You see what I'm saying? Those are two different things. And what is the version that we're seeing and that we're experiencing as players every single day? Yeah, something to, just just to, to your point. I, I was going to bring this up during the union the the unionizing bit, um, but I forgot. But just like how the how you know they the they show us what's profitable if it makes money. I just want to show you like when I well, so when I Google game developers unionizing, um, there was an article from The Verge. The title: A massive telecom union just launched a new campaign and unionized game developers from Wired. A big union wants to make video game workers' lives more sane. Then the third option down is the Washington Post headline. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> a, major a majority of game developers want to unionize. Few are convinced it will happen. <laughs> All like, right, Washington Post. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thank no, you, right. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> no matter what we, the uh, option. We you love the editorial. Yeah. Thanks, Wapo. <laughs> Democracy um, dies under layers of cum. <laughs> All right, well, we, we got to wrap Oh, if I can talk about one more thing. Yeah, um, yeah, I was going to say we got to wrap up here, but I want to give I want to give Atulia and Brandon the last words here. Yeah. So um, one thing I would like to talk about is um, games like uh, any uh, medium can have like good or bad messages, um, like reactionary, progressive, socialist, etc. Um, I do think there's something specific to the medium of video games, though, that has like a lot of um, I guess, like, socialist, communist, like, revolutionary potential. And the idea of, like, empathy, like, literally, like, forcing you to be in, like, someone else's shoes. So one of my favorite games to demonstrate this is a game called Papers, Please, um, where you play as a border agent, like, a literal, like, border guard um, living in, like, some sort of um, dystopian, like, I think it's, like, an authoritarian, like, Eastern European country. But the thing is, so Papers, Please, is you... Um, 
get paid based on how many people you process, right? Um, and you get fined if you let people through who like don't have the proper documentation. Um, as the days go on, like the amount of like red tape grows, and you have to like check more and more papers before you process people. Um, and at first, like if you let through someone who like wasn't supposed to be let through, you get fined. Um, that's get taken that gets taken out of your pay, and then you you have to go home with like less money for like your family, which is like perpetually starving or like freezing, because um, you can't pay like rent or like the heating in your apartment. Um, but then the sort of game mechanic of like penalizing you for like letting through the wrong person has to become like it becomes like a moral choice. So there are people who are trying to get across like see their children, or people trying to get across like be with their families, or people trying to get across like escape like sex trafficking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they might not have the proper documentation, and then you have to like accept or deny them based on that, knowing that your family pays the price, you know, if you choose to have a good heart. Um, and all the time you're timed, right? So you have like a limited amount of set minutes in the day and you're trying to get processed as many people as possible. There's tons of games like this. Another one is like uh, That Dragon Cancer, which is like a family who has like a kid dying of cancer. Um, but all of this stuff, I think, is to sort of demonstrate that there is like a sort of power um, that has been untapped in video games because, again, like you guys have been saying very well, uh, video games are like reflections of our culture and they're done by these massive corporations. But on an indie level, I think there's an like, increasing amount of potential from like people trying to depict their stories, literally put you in the shoes of someone else and understand like the stress, like the stress of that experience or the sort of like um agony or the sort of like existential crisis people go through in a way that you i don't think can ever get really from like a movie or a book or a television show yeah amen i'll, I'll have to check that out because that sounds a sounds like a pretty uh pretty powerful uh gaming experience i've he seen had, um... i've seen that game played and most often it's like made fun of because it's sort of described as like this impossible game to make impossible choices but it's mm -hmm. also like most of the people who play it like oh, if you yeah. actually read the stories of the people trying to come in you're like oof <laughs> that's exactly. it's like oof. it's heartbreaking yeah and there's a he made a follow-up to that which was like more distinctly anti-capitalist where um you're like a mail worker like sending out like eviction notices and like spam mail and like uh like banking statements and stuff like that yeah and so it's like forcing oh you to like play someone caught up in the gears of you know like a an awful system no one really wants which is almost like i love to see when when games combine some of those stories with some very interesting mechanics sort of like you see in the stanley parable um yeah. That's the, I feel like those are the, like sort of the perfect game experiences when you get that marriage of both. This is very funny because it's like, I'm going to play a game. The game is doing a job. That was, okay. Like, I'm, just, I'm just going to work at a virtual job. Office Simulator. <laughs> VR Office Simulator is actually a really good game. My dad drew Animal Crossing for me. When I was a kid, I thought Animal Crossing was cool. And my dad was like, that's just life but it's money instead of bells. And I just never liked the game after that. It made me sad. I was like 14. <laughs> Animal Crossing is like a very like idealized version of capitalism. Right? Actually, like landlord's super nice. I, when the, when the Animal uh, Crossing, cause I'm a hater. <laughs> when the <laughs> pandemic first started, I joined the very first Michiganders ex against excessive quarantine Facebook page. And I posted 
a troll post about how our local business had to close. It's a family-owned business called Nook's Cranny and how the owner had to resort to buying back turnips at low prices to make ends meet and how it was (laughs) devastating to everyone in our small village. I, like, really, I should read it for you because it's hilarious. I actually had, like, NPR contact me and be like, can you tell us more about this business? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I had to delete the post because I was like, fuck. Oh, man. Why? You had a choice to make have... and you chose peace. But you didn't have did. to. Just remember that. I yeah, have a, right. If you want you me to read it, if you want good. me to read it, Ben, let me know because I actually have it right here. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and read it. We'll, this, we'll close the show with it. Okay, just give me one second to find it. Um, While you're looking it up, I'm going to say everyone should look up the game Zork. And I'm not going to say anything else about it. It's free, though. Look up the game Zork. Uh, I appreciate the name. It sounds like a restaurant in Brooklyn. Uh, how do you spell it? <laughs> Z-O-R-K. <laughs> okay, cool. Another really anti-capitalist game I'd like to recommend in the closing oh. is Kentucky Route Zero, which is about, you know, like a... Kentucky uh, what? Kentucky Route Zero. Okay. okay and this was... Oh, I think I've heard of that. So this was posted in Michiganers Against Excessive Quarantine before it got shut down by Facebook for having too many death threats against our <laughs> Michigan leaders, which is literally what happened. Oh, my God. Um, so this is what I posted. Our leaders. That woman. <laughs> that woman from that Michigan. That woman from Michigan. It was, I think it was even before uh, that meme. Like, that's how early this was. Um, okay. Due to the governor's order, my local grocer and family-owned business, Nook's Cranny, is about to go out of business for not being able to sell any more gardening seeds or supplies. They've resorted to buying back turnips at low prices to make ends meet. Please send prayers. I recently helped them build their new location, and it's devastating to everyone in our small town. Listen, I will I will absolutely send them all the thoughts and prayers they need. <laughs> and I ended up getting over 100 shares before I deleted it. And I was contacted uh, by multiple statewide media outlets asking me to tell me more information about Nook's Cranny. Are you the Russian bot? Is that, is that what this is? I am the Russian bot. That, I'm this, the Russian bot. Carly is actually just uh, Putin in like a Mission Impossible mask. Right now. Oh, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> you know who my boyfriend is? It's Putin! <laughs> oh, wow, that, that was actually sort of good. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, we, we got to wrap up here, but uh, Brandon and Atulia, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for uh, having it's me. It's been man. really cool. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. You can follow us on social media. Uh, you can fo- follow us on Twitter at SOTR pod and you can find us on Facebook as state of the revolution. Uh, we will be back next week with another, uh, with another podcast on another topic that I know nothing about, which is the works of iconic filmmaker, David Lynch. So that should be very interesting. Uh, so once again, thanks everyone for joining us and we'll be back soon. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. We know we're you'll be back again. since we're the only podcast. You suckers. Bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs>